Welcome to Willamette Common Law. This episode is part of the Matters of First Impression series. I'm Professor Kelly Gamble, Assistant Professor of Law and Director of Academic Excellence here at Willamette. Joining me today are Professor Jeff Dobbins and Professor Aaron Simowitz. In addition to teaching civil procedure, federal courts, and Native American law, Professor Dobbins serves as our Associate Dean of Academic Affairs here at Willamette. Professor Simowitz teaches civil procedure, negotiations, debtor-creditor, and a seminar on negotiating a complex business transaction. Professor Simowitz also directs our Business Lawyering Institute. Professor Dobbins, Professor Simowitz, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So let's start with with the easy question. What What do you like to do for fun? What's something important in your life that kind of shapes the way you engage with the world? Well, I guess I'll start. Um, in some ways, it's almost two questions. Uh, what do I do for fun? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I will, you will often find me, uh, I usually try and get a, a long uh, bike ride in on, on any given weekend. So try and get out into the uh, into the slightly more rural areas around town uh, and uh, try and get a, a, a nice long ride in before the temperatures get too high in the summer. Uh, and try and dodge around the occasional raindrops in the wintertime. So uh, it's just a good way to get extra exercise and get to enjoy the the natural environment around the around Oregon. That's For me, I think uh, you know, after the three kids have finally gone to bed, and you know, my <laughs> wife has finished editing her credit agreements. I've finished doing whatever work I have to do. Um, definitely reality TV dating shows. Yeah. That's... Like, are we talking uh, Bachelor, Bachelorette? Are we talking Love is Blind? I mean, both, of course. Like, Bachelor, right. Bachelorette, I mean, that's the that's the urtext. That's the original. Right. You know, right. Love is Blind is the is new kid on the block. But, you know, for those of you out there who are part of Bachelor Nation, who are listening to the First Impressions podcast, thoroughly enjoying charity season. But Braden, man, he has got to go. <laughs> Uh, something fun that I like to do is, is brag about my colleagues. So, Professor Simowitz, your work was recently cited by the United States Supreme Court. Is that right? Uh, that's right. Uh, in a case called uh, Ejizarian v. Smoggin. Ah, can you can you talk either a little bit about that or a little bit about kind of your scholarly interests and how, how you ended up at this point in your life? Yeah. So uh, how did that uh, the, the paper that got cited by the court is a paper called Citing Intangibles. I had a very clever plan. I wrote about something um, so obscure that nobody else had written about that subject in 30 years. And then I waited for the Supreme Court to take exactly that issue eight years later. So I I highly recommend that strategy. To, it's to well thought aspiring. out. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a good plan. It was a good plan. Um, mostly what I write about is, is transnational dispute resolution. Um, and in particular, I focus on sort of what happens after an adjudication has been made, what happens after a judgment has been issued, after an arbitral award has been issued, um, where for the most part, we shift from deciding, you know, who did what, who was right, who was wrong, to figuring out how, how do we get this paid? Because most people, shockingly, don't just write a check to cover the full amount of a $100 million judgment, especially if they can, let's say, hide all of their assets in the Channel Islands or in Russia. And so there turn out to be lots of really interesting questions about how we turn a judgment or an award from a piece of paper with a big money, big uh, number on it into actual money, actual assets, and actual relief. Uh, both of you teach civil procedure. If law school were football school, right, I, I often try to explain it that way, right? 
torts, which we talked about last episode, and contracts, which we'll talk about next episode, are like learning the plays and the formations, nickel defense, spread offense. Uh, lawyering is like your practice, right? Heads up tackling, running wheel routes, uh, sprints and stretches, uh, throwing spirals, right? But civil procedure, that's like the rules of the game, right? It's it's uh, where you learn how much time you have per down and, and timeouts per half and permitted offenses and players on the field, right? Civil procedure, Civ Pro, our students use uh, use that as shorthand, tells us how lawsuits can proceed and the rules the attorneys must follow in litigation. And it's about civil cases again, so no criminal law in the first semester at Willamette. Uh, criminal procedure, the criminal analog to civil procedure, is an upper-level class. You heard Dean Galini talk about it on our first episode. So, Professor Dobbins and Professor Simowitz, what keeps you coming back to teaching civil procedure? And I know, Professor, Professor Simowitz, I mean, besides Dean Dobbins, who makes the schedule. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I expect that Professor Simmons would be very upset with me if I did not assign him to teach civil procedure. So, uh, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I I think that I think that the analogy is a good one, right? I mean, in the sense that you're teaching the rules, although in some ways it's you know it's even a little bit I'd say more sophisticated than that because because in some ways it's like the rule is the thing that creates the game, right? It's it's the thing that sort of defines the scope of of what it is that you're doing in some ways in the in the whole system and and you have to have kind of a basic understanding about how it is that um you know what you're doing in this world where you're trying to figure out how to resolve disputes that are uh, um uh between parties who are you know sometimes very emotionally invested in these fights and try and figure out how the system is set up in a way to try and uh and let those res- disputes get resolved in a way that that makes sense, not only for cases that are the super big transnational litigation that Professor Simowitz is talking about, um, but also, you know, the the small little landlord tenant cases or slip and fall cases or anything else that you might happen to see along the way. I've just always enjoyed the procedural part of things. Uh, there's an element of uh, figuring out how things get put together, as everybody will find there is a fair amount of sort of application of, you know, written rules, and you have to do a little bit of figuring it out along the way and figure out how to put them together. And yet there's also sort of pretty high theory and constitutional principles that fit into it as well. And uh, it's just something that I've, I've always enjoyed, you know, even starting all the way back in law school and going forward from there. Hearing you talk about that, those are those are also things that make you a great associate dean uh, of academic affairs. There you go, <laughs> uh, Professor Simwitz. What about you? I think I do think it's a good analogy. And a few years ago, Bill Belichick made some noise in the playoffs by um, figuring out when he could declare one of his uh, offensive linemen as an eligible receiver downfield. Uh, and you know, because he understood the rules of the game better than his adversary. He was able to steal a march on his enemy. And that's exactly what we talked about when I was in practice. You know, if you understand the rules of procedure better than your adversary, if you understand the rules of jurisdiction better than your adversary, that's where your skill as a lawyer can create a real advantage uh, that can deliver value to your client. Um, I have to say, I did not fall in love with procedure in law school, no fault of my professors. I just thought it was memorizing a bunch of rules. Um, I didn't fall in love with it until I got into practice and saw that, you know, it was a better understanding of the rules that 
enabled you to get an advantage. But to Jeff's point, you know, it's not just a bunch of rules. I mean, once you get past the tactics, which I really enjoy, um, it reflects deep assumptions about how we want our society to operate when two or multiple people are having a dispute that they cannot resolve without the intervention of the government. And, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about something called personal jurisdiction, which is mostly about where lawsuits get litigated. And that can seem really dry and complex and thanks to the Supreme Court, incredibly um, frustrating. <laughs> um, but ultimately, it's a question about, look, if you're injured at your home, should you have to go to the home base of the company that made the thing that injured you? Or should you be able to get relief at your home or at the place you bought the product? And, you know, if you live in California and the defendant lives in Maine and you don't have a bunch of resources to fly back and forth across the country, that can be a really, really important question. Let's talk for a minute about what students can expect when they come to your class. And then we'll move to what you expect of them when they come to class. My, my class is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big thinker. And so I don't try to teach my class like a big thinker. Uh, it's very practice focused. The first thing we'll do in my class is uh, we'll all sit down in class and we'll watch a witness interview. And then I'll ask all of my students, okay, um, how do you figure out if you've got a viable complaint here or not? That's fact investigation. You know, that's usually the first thing you do in any lawsuit. And we kind of take that practical thread and follow it through the whole class. Pretty much for after every major unit in the civil procedure class, we'll break out into teams and draft a portion of a pleading, you know, the crucial 10% of a complaint, the crucial 10% of a motion to dismiss. And that gives us a chance to talk about drafting, a chance to talk about tactics, you know, a chance to talk about the best way to use citations. It's it's all about bringing it back to the practice and bringing it back to the practical. It's great. I mean, I I guess in my mind, I know not everybody agrees, but I think law school should be fun. I mean, I you know I really get a kick out of this stuff. It's it's really interesting, um, you know, and and that goes from from everything from you know sort of the ins and outs of the supplemental jurisdiction statute to <laughs> to these big constitutional questions that are presented as far as. Uh, you know, where you can sue and where it is that you can be sued. Um, and and so one of the things that that I hope to just try and do in in class is to try and bring some of that, some of that energy, sort of regardless of what little niche area of civil procedure it is that we're talking about along the way, into the classroom and to to make sure that as best I can, students are able to to try and extract some of the joy out of what may seem sometimes like a bit of a grind in their first semester of law school, because it is. It's a lot of work, and you're essentially learning a new language, and, and a lot of it can seem unfamiliar along the way. Um, but hopefully, it, it comes with things that are interesting, and you find little nuggets of stuff that are worth exploring along the way. I, you know, 
we do a lot of the same sorts of things in, in civil procedure that the students will be doing in the rest of the classes in the sense of reading cases and trying to make sure that you're able to extract information from cases and trying to apply rules. I mean, one of the things that we work with in civil procedure is we have a fair amount of, uh, of statutes and written rules. And so you're trying to go through this process of really intensively sort of taking apart those rules and understanding how to apply them in given situations. Um, and then, you know, as Professor Simowitz says, uh, we'll try and take those as well and apply them in particular circumstances and, and engage in a little bit of exercises to try and say, okay, I'm going to write a, you know, a jurisdictional statement for a pleading that helps to explain why it is that this case should be heard in this particular court and why this particular court has the power to, to understand or to hear that particular case. And so, you know, a lot of it is is the same introduction that you'd get in any first year course, but uh, but hopefully in the specific context of civil procedure and, and try and enjoy yourself a little bit along the way. So, Dean Dobbins, I have to say, I, I teach civil procedure. I, I co-author a civil procedure casebook. I write about civil procedure. I do not find the supplemental jurisdiction statute fun. Oh, nonsense. So if, if you could show me how to make it fun, I would appreciate that. That is, that I'm going to be honest with you, not the high point of my civil procedure semester, but clearly you and I should talk more about this. Fair enough. So what do you expect of students when they come to class? What is what is being prepared for your class look like? I guess I would say that that it's having done the reading and and having tried to engage with at least some of it, right? I mean, you could spend a huge amount of time digging into just 10 pages of a case book. You could probably spend hours trying to chase down every little, you know, citation that's there and try and make sure that you've defined every single word. And, you know, you're going to burn out doing that pretty quickly. But I really hope that that students will take a moment somewhere along the way and say, well, that's kind of interesting, or I wonder what that means. Just go figure it out and try and come to each class with, in their minds, either a particular question or idea or a very big picture question or, or idea that comes out of the reading for that particular case. And then is able to sort of share that in class and listen to each other uh, and and listen to the conversation that we're having in class and figure out what information to take away from it. So just that engagement is the thing that I, I really hope that people come to each class uh, thinking about and, and walk into each class thinking about. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, what I'm looking for on a day-to-day -day basis is engagement and enthusiasm. And over the course of the semester, what I'm looking for is just growth. I you know don't expect everybody to be at the same place in terms of knowledge or comprehension or comfort with the subject material on day one. And I don't actually expect everybody to be in the same place in terms of knowledge, comfort, or comprehension at the end of the semester, right? I think a lot of students tend to think, oh, you know, if I didn't get a, an A in the class, then it, it wasn't a successful class. But if you went from a place on the first day of class where all of this stuff was totally alien and horrifying to a place where you're kind of conversant in it, right? Where you don't run screaming when somebody mentions, you know, Rule 56, um, mm -hmm. I think that's a success. So, you know, really what I'm looking for is engagement, enthusiasm, and, you know, just some kind of growth over the course of the semester. What do you see students struggle with most often in your class? And what's your advice for, for overcoming those challenges? And why is it supplemental jurisdiction? <laughs> 
Well, supplemental jurisdiction is is horrible because Congress did an absolutely terrible job with the statute. So this is like my 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 Robin Williams Matt Damon moment where I want to say to all my students, it's not your fault. It's not <laughs> your fault. It's the United States Congress fault. I mean, I, I think the the biggest day to day struggle is um, with the material because the material is hard. I genuinely think that in terms of sort of the words on the page in the casebook, it is the most difficult of the one L classes. And so what I say to my students, and I think this is different for every every professor, but this is at least what I say to my students is, look, you know, the ABA says that you should spend two hours preparing for every one hour of class. So do that. We've um, been talking about three hours outside of class for every one hour, but 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 we could go with, you know, an additional hour after class to review. <laughs> that's you know you should you should defer to 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 clearly to Professor Gamble and Dean Dobbins on the ABA requirements, but you know set whatever it is set yourself yeah. a certain amount of time you're going to spend preparing for class. Do the best you can in that time, and then stop. Don't right. spend eight hours banging your head against the wall um, trying to understand some stuff that, frankly, without help, just defies understanding. And that's and I would say that that I would echo that same point, right? Especially in civil procedure where we have a tendency um, as we get kind of deeper into the rules to to sort of do what feels like jumping from subject to subject to subject, right? Sort of like, what does this rule say? And and there's, you know, certainly thematic elements that we'll talk about over the course of the semester, but there often comes a point as well where essentially like, well, last week we were talking about this and now we're talking about this and then we're talking about that. It just, you know, it all kind of blends together and every rule has got its little details. I would say that a lot of this is it's a matter of just trying to step back. I mean, if if you can say at the end of a class or at the end of reading, right? It's like, could I like if I had to try and summarize that thing that just happened in two or three sentences, like what are the things that seem like the important things to carry away from it? And you know, you, you sometimes you'll be wrong about that, and sometimes you'll be right. And Sometimes you'll just be close, but but if you are able to do that after every sort of significant chunk of civil procedure reading or every chunk of civil procedure class, um, you're going to be, you know, walking out at the end of the semester with a pretty good sense of of kind of the major themes of the course and the major ways in which you should approach particular questions or particular answers. And that's going to serve you pretty well on the, the final exam and going forward into other classes as well. So, you know, the details feel overwhelming, but, you know, the, the, the big picture themes are the ones that, that are going to matter most. And so trying to step back and just think about, okay, yeah, we set aside the complicated stuff and do my best to try and summarize what's going on is, is I think, it serves people well. I think that's a really good tool, especially after class, to remember to spend time after class to really synthesize what you learn from your pre-class notes, from your in-class notes. At the end of the week, just taking some time to go back over material, it will help you to remember it so that when it comes time to finals or it comes time to practice, right, you're like, I, I know Rule 56 is summary judgment, right? And And having that kind of background information can be really helpful. So I completely agree with that. And it for, for me, it goes back to the simulations, right? Because 
pretty much the second week of class, we have to talk about pleading, which thanks to some horrible Supreme Court cases is incredibly difficult to understand. And I wouldn't expect anybody to understand pleading after reading these Supreme Court cases. I wouldn't actually expect anybody to understand pleading after we discuss them in class. But after you read them and after we discuss the cases, then we will all get together and we'll actually draft a complaint. And after we draft the complaint, then we'll all get together in small groups and we'll discuss how we did in the complaint, without other groups' complaints, what we thought we could do better. And that's the point where you've gone from, you know, comprehension, discussion, execution, synthesis, and then reflection, right? At the end of doing all that, maybe then we understand pleading. And I would and I would say that on this question of sort of the, the complexity and and sort of the difficulty of of aspects of civil procedure or really any law school class, I, I often say to students early on, we spend a lot of time talking about the hard problems of anything that we're doing, right? That's I mean, that's where we we sort of make our money as lawyers and where we sort of have fun intellectually as professors and stuff like that. And yet at the same time, there are questions that we can ask that we can say, that's good, that's bad, or yes, that's murder, that's not, right? I mean, there's <laughs> there's some there's some clear answers to things that we get in law school. And even though we spend the time on the complicated stuff, and yes, getting a sense of how to answer those things is important. Um, doing that sort of straightforward application, like Professor Simowitz is talking about. And and knowing like okay I can kind of see the sense of of what it is that I need to do on you know in sort of ninety percent of the cases, um, it it's the sort of thing that that ultimately is going to be where people spend uh, the bulk of their time in practice and and where you're going to spend the bulk of your time sort of thinking about how cases go forward. It doesn't necessarily mean that the Supreme Court is always rational about why it tells you what it is that you have to do, <laughs> but <laughs> at least that you have a sense of what it is that you're going to be doing in a lot of circumstances. Uh, what's your best piece of advice for first year success? I would say, and, and this kind of dovetails with my points about sort of doing things that seem fun and kind of trying to abstract things out along the way. It's very particular. And I, I often tell students to do this, but, and I don't know how many do it, but like, if you're, if you're reading through something and you see like a citation to I don't know, a law review article or another case or something like that, you're like, Hmm, that's interesting. I wonder what that says. Take 10 minutes, look the thing up, see what it has to say. It may be completely obscure and you're like, I have no idea what that's about. Never mind, right? I'm gonna move on. But sometimes it will give you sort of a it like it like opens this door into sort of this world outside of like the very narrow confines of what it is that you're looking at and can sort of offer a bigger picture perspective on what it is that you're doing in a particular class or in the first year of law school that I think is hopefully. Uh, inspiring and like gives you a, a insight into sort of what else is out there and and ways in which things connect back to the little niggly details of what it is that you're doing in a particular case. And, you know, again, you could spend hours running down those rabbit holes and you're not going to have time to do that. But occasionally, like if you get that thing in the back of your mind, it's like, huh, that's interesting chase that down for a minute, right? Just just take a moment to 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 do that. Um, and hopefully that uh, that helps to to kind of add a little bit of roundedness to the work that you're doing as a first year student, whether it's in civil procedure or torts or wherever it is that you happen to be. So 
that's that's sort of one thought that I have about, and I often encourage people to do along the way. I think that's really a great way to stay connected to why you're in law school as well, right? This is the probably the last time in your life where your entire job is just to learn things. And so to stay curious and to track things down and to think about why, why are you in law school? What about the law really uh, engages your mind and your values? And maybe it's something from class and maybe it's something in a footnote and you're just going to take those extra 10 minutes to read it and and really develop as a as a lawyer. I think that can be can be great, especially when you start feeling, you know, overwhelmed. Come October, come November, if you just take a minute to kind of reconnect with something that really interests you in the law, that can be a valuable uh, renewal. And I'll, I'll point out that we, we we could describe it as just a way of procrastinating from having to read the next case in the assignment. Also true. No, no, no. This is all <laughs> this is all positive stuff. So. <laughs> I, to your point, Professor Gamble, about you know why teach civil procedure, it's also because like the one L classroom is just fun, right? Yeah. I mean, especially fall one L. You know, I started my academic career teaching one Ls in the lawyering program at NYU, uh, and you know, there's nothing like all being together, being engaged, being focused as we all are in the fall 1L semester. Pretty much everything after that point, everybody is starting to think about different things, things to extracurriculars, different career paths. But really, you know, fall 1L semester is uh, special. That said, you know, one piece of advice for, for law school, and maybe particularly for the first year, is just to remember, like most people who go to law school will practice law for 30, 40, 50 years, right? Law school is it's not just the beginning, it's like the beginning of the beginning, right? It's the right. opening credits of the movie. Right. You would never say, this movie is gonna be terrible because I have some misgivings about the opening credits. Right? <laughs> but there's a tendency to think that, you know, law school or the first semester of law school or the first year of law school is just overwhelmingly important. Um, and I can't tell you that it's unimportant, but it's almost certainly not as important as everyone tends to think it is, and to the extent that's important, it's important for other reasons. And honestly, I think the way in which it is important, and this goes back to what Dean Dobbins said about, look, it should be fun. It's important to figure out how to practice law in a way that is fun and satisfying and engaging for you, and will continue to be over the next you know, three, four, five decades, because being a lawyer is a hard job. It's too hard to do if you don't like it, if you're just billing hours. Right. So you actually have a lot of freedom and a lot of space in law school to figure out kind of what way of being a lawyer is going to be fun and satisfying for you. So our students spend a lot of time in the building, right? They are, this is a, law school is a full-time job and they have to find a place to sit and read and study outside of class. So I want to, I want to ask you first, for your your best like law school building tip, what what should students remember as a resource or it's a great benefit or a secret spot? You know, OSA has ibuprofen uh, that you can come get if you if you get a headache and candy. So you know, now what what for you do you think? Oh, students should remember that or take advantage of that. I guess I would say that. Every time I go up to the top floor of the library 
on the far north end of the building, there's just sort of tables that are up there. Right. It's just a nice place to be. It's just the, you know, the windows are there. It's sunny. It's not necessarily where your carols are. And so it's not necessarily like a spot that you're going to be able to stake out and, uh, you know, put down roots and stuff. But but in between classes or taking a moment to away from the carol or, you know, just, just going for a change of space or something like that. It's just a, a really nice space, I think, in the building. Um, and, uh, I, I would think that if I were, if I were a law student and didn't have my own office, I would probably find myself sitting up in there quite a bit over the course of the, the year. I, I used to do that in practice. Actually, I would, I would go out of my office to the firm's library because it had big windows and it was just a different space and a different feel for a little while. And I think that's important for students to remember. So you'll get a carol when when you come to Willamette, which is a basically your own personal desk in the library. We'll do signups for those. But then there are those kind of free spaces like these tables uh, in the top floor of the library that are just really nice spaces to work. And they're, they're kind of open to everyone. I'm going to stick with the, the library theme, although this is not really a building tip. Um, but the librarians are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You're going to spend a lot of time learning how to research the law in your first year. And there are multiple people right there in the library have devoted their entire career to being really, really, really good at legal research. And they are just waiting for you to come and ask them for help. So you should do that. Um, <laughs> even if it's just like, hey, Mary, can I sit next to you? and watch how you research this question that I'm really struggling with. And then maybe can you send me your research trail afterwards so I can see how a research ninja does this stuff. Right. Do that. And you know, in the library, we have the, the reference desk and it's always staffed with someone who is really great at research. And if you're nervous about assignments, it's a great place to start and they typically have, at least you know, for lawyering, they have our assignments and they know what our rules are. So they know kind of what they can share with you and what they can help you with. So there's never like, well, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. You're always allowed to do that. Uh, they are a really great resource, especially for getting started or for getting out of a corner when you get stuck. Indeed. <laughs> One other thing that I would just throw into this mix here is um, talking about office hours. I, mm -hmm. I know that it's always can be intimidating for students. And a lot of times people feel like, oh, well, I don't, it's like, I don't even understand it enough to go in and figure out what the question is that I'm going to ask. Right. I sit there alone in office hours so much. <laughs> it's quiet. It makes me sad. Just bring some joy this to our lives. Come show up at office hours and say, look, I don't necessarily have a question. Here's something that seemed interesting from class. You know, we're, we're there to, to, to help think about the sorts of things that are going on. You don't necessarily have to walk in with the specific question that you've spent your, you know, last week developing. We're happy to 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 listen and every professor has got some time for office hours that are open so you should feel free and, and really should take advantage of the the ability to come in and just have those conversations individually with professors along the way. So just an encouragement to to take advantage of that resource that's there too. See, listeners, the, the loneliness on the fourth floor that we talked about in the torts episode, it's not just because of those torch professors. That's right. <laughs> uh, we're all waiting for you to come by and visit and, and bring a little cheer or bring, you know, 
Dean Dobbins loves nothing more than the opportunity to talk about civil procedure. There you go. So, That's so right. just come up and say, hey, you know, I don't have a question because I don't even know what the question would be, but just supplemental jurisdiction, right? And, then, and then he'll start. We'll, we'll so or say, any like... other kind of jurisdiction would be <laughs> fine too. As much as I love talking about civil procedure, if you want to come to my office hours to talk about like the latest travesty on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette yes. or like the Eras Tour playlist or like what games are coming out that you really shouldn't play until after finals are over, like <laughs> I am here for all of that. And in point of fact, um, you know, last fall, I had this group of students who came to me, my office hours to talk about anything other than civil procedure for like the first half of the semester. And then at some point they morphed into this study group that would meet in 301 during my office hours. And if they had a question, they would summon me from my office to come to 301 <laughs> to deliver impromptu lectures, all of which I thought was totally great. So yes, come to office hours, talk about anything or nothing, whatever's on your mind, or just to be like, hey, here is who I am. And I wanted to meet you outside the context of this 60-person lecture hall. I think that's that's a great idea. And I, I offer that to my students too. I say, if you are just tired of talking about the law and you need five minutes not talking about the law, come by and chat with me. I'm happy to talk about anything other than the law as well. And I think it's a really good idea to think about, especially if you're nervous about going to office hours, bring a friend, right? And then And then you're both there. And so it's not all on you, especially those first few times so that you can kind of develop a, a habit. You develop a practice and you develop a comfort level with with going to office hours because they can be really valuable. I would say too, just quickly in passing, is that this is true not only from the context of the classes, mm -hmm. but as you know, you may have heard from Dean Galini too. You know, we're always in, in the, from the perspective of the administration, happy to talk to students about you know sort of big picture law school things as well. Uh, you know, uh, why don't we have X in the you know vending machines? Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, big picture questions about licensing issues, uh, any of that stuff. Uh, Straight to the dean's there. office uh, about right. about Come what on. kind of chips are in the vending machine. That's right. That's right. Hey, you know, in the dean suite, there is a mini fridge that is always stocked with sodas and seltzer. It is there for the students. They now keep it locked because. <laughs> Some faculty members were shamelessly raiding them, and they are not there for us. They are there for the students. So stop by the dean's <laughs> There you go. What's your advice for Salem? I know neither of you live in Salem, but you work in Salem. And maybe you have a favorite coffee shop or a favorite park or a favorite uh, quick spot to stop in Salem. What's your What's your advice? Well, I would say that if one were to be driving into Salem and one were to take the proper exit and make the correct turns, one might find oneself at King's Donuts down at 17th and State. But you would have to find yourself there before about 10 o'clock in the morning because they sell out of their donuts and then Ooh. they close the shop and then you will get nothing. Good <laughs> old school donut options. Uh, you know, you're not going to get fancy, uh, you know, uh, mochi, cranberry, uh, turkey donuts from this place. This is <laughs> maple bars, raised glazed donuts, that's sprinkles, that's about it. Uh, but but excellent for, for what they're there for as long as you get there early enough. Just to be and clear, that was a from mochi Boston. cranberry turkey donut. You know, luckily, Aaron, they don't have them. I understand. So. Okay, that's right. right. <laughs> they don't have them, so you're going to have to go somewhere else and pay twelve dollars for that one. 
right. <laughs> Sticking with the donut theme, um, you know, if you're at the law school, you just need like a five minute break. I'm a big fan of taking like five, 10 minutes just to go for a walk outside the building. If you go one direction, if you go over the parking lot, basically across the street from the law school parking lot is Bear Scat Donuts. You can also get really good donuts. Then you can walk a couple more minutes to archive coffee and get some really good coffee and, you know, be back at the law school in five, 10 minutes. If you go the other direction, probably my favorite five-minute break from the wonderful law school building is just cross Winter Street, you know, walk along the south side of the mill stream, walk over the bridge, turn around, come back through the main quad. You know, you can go out the door of Rick's Cafe. You can come back in the front door of the law school by Lady Justice. It'll take you five minutes. I pretty much guarantee you'll feel better. We're, we're big fans on this podcast of recommending walking around the main campus. It is, it's, it's pretty, there are so many carefree undergraduates, uh, just to, just to remind you that there's life outside the law school and there are great places to stop for, for coffee and cookies and, and just sitting by the stream. They have lots of chairs out there. So those white Adirondack chairs, um, sometimes you can even pick up the, the Willamette Wi-Fi if you're looking for a nice place to sit and do some reading for class. Uh, Yeah. Those are, those I are you going to say you can pick up the Adirondack chairs and stick them in the mill stream, which I have seen people doing. So seen that sit done, out yeah. in the chairs and dangle their feet at the same time. When the weather's nice, right? That's right. right. <laughs> Do you all have any kind of parting words for our incoming students here? Because our, our time here today is done. Welcome to Willamette, you know, especially if you're in my civil procedure class. My email is asimowitz at willamette.edu. Drop me a line. I'm happy to chat about anything or everything before, during, after your time at Willamette. So don't be a stranger. And you can yeah. find all of us on the faculty page uh, if you go to the Willamette Law website. Yep. Yeah, we're we're really excited to have everybody coming in. Uh, it's always uh, great fun to, to have a new class of students. Uh, everybody's coming from different perspectives uh, and and looking to do different things, but you're all going to be be in civil procedure one way or the other. So uh, so we'll look forward to seeing you come the very end of, end of August. Well, Professor Dobbins, Professor Simowitz, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank Professor you, Campbell, Professor thank you. Listeners, thanks for joining us. And I'll see you next episode when we talk about contracts. <laughs>